Welcome to week two of money our Money Talks. Uh, my name is Brian Asker. Sandy and I are married. We love uh, each other. We love doing life together. We love working together. And it is my privilege today to bring you uh, the Word of God. And we are in the series called Money Talks. Are you excited yet? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, have you ever heard the phrase, it's better to give than receive? Yeah. How many of you believe it's true? Okay, good. Because I have a hard time believing that it's true. <laughs> if I'm honest, I struggle from a chronic scarcity mindset. And so I have this sense of like, what if I need that later? Or... Uh, like, I'm worried that I'll never actually have enough, as if somehow God hasn't proven himself to me that I've always had enough. But this is what I struggle from. Uh, I also have this, like, deep sense of wanting to be responsible. So, like, I want to take care of myself and make sure that I'm not a burden on other people. And I want to make sure that my family's taken care of. And so, like, can I really give that away? Or, or do I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and my family? Well, maybe you all find it easy to give, uh, but I think most of us at some point in time struggle to give sacrificially. And I want to invite you to think about what is it that makes it hard for you to do that? In today's story, God invites us to give sacrificially as he gives sacrificially. So just as Jesus gave of himself, God's going to invite us to do the same to give sacrificially. And our story is going to come from Mark uh, chapter 12, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, at the heart of this series, really what we've been talking about is that God has first given generously to us, which we saw on the screen there. And in response, we give consistently, sacrificially, and generously. And this week, we're going to talk about sacrifice or giving sacrificially. So if you uh, got your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen. Uh, you can also open the app, uh, and I've got it set up there for you to jump in there uh, with your mobile Bible device. And then, of course, there's always the old-fashioned analog Bible that works too. So Mark chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd, putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. All right, simple, right? I mean, Jesus commends the sacrifice of this poor widow. Likewise, Jesus wants us to sacrifice, to give sacrificially. Boom, we're done, we can go home, right? You've all figured it out. All right, that may be true, uh, but I am paid to say a little bit more than that. Um, at least in part. <laughs> I want to dig in a little bit deeper. Because uh, I want to discover the why. Why does Jesus call us to give sacrificially? So, 
let's begin by putting the passage into the greater context of the Gospel of Mark. So the Gospel of Mark is really, uh, you can segment into two sections. You have uh, chapters 1 through 12, which is the story of Jesus' public ministry and his teachings. Right? And then you have 13 through 16, which is Jesus' journey to the cross. And this story is right at the hinge between those two stories of Jesus' teaching and Jesus' journey to, cross, to the cross. So there's something important in this story that we need to learn. Okay? Let's zoom in just a little bit uh, further. Starting in chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus has a bunch of teachings that he is giving. And in verse 27 specifically, the religious leaders are challenging Jesus' authority to teach and to do the things that he's doing. And in response, we see a series of these rhetorical, I'll call them skirmishes, where Jesus and the, the religious leaders are sort of having these verbal fights. And our story is really the climax of all of those skirmishes. So again, that points to that this is an important story in the Gospel of Mark. So I want to take a look specifically, looking at the context immediately before our passage, starting in verse 38. So let's throw that up on the screen. So as Jesus is teaching, he says, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished severely, most severely. So I want to imagine for a moment and I want you to imagine with me the faces of these leaders as Jesus is teaching these things. So, Jesus starts off by saying, they like to walk around with flowing robes. And I'm thinking as they're, you know, sort of listening to this, Jesus is saying, like, look at my status. Look at how important I am. And they're probably going, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm kind of important, yeah. And then... He says, they love the attention that they're receiving at the marketplace when they get greeted by people. And I imagine they're thinking, well, he's not wrong. I kind of like the attention. Sounds great to me. And then he says, uh, they like to have others acknowledge their status by giving them the best places at the tables, whether, whether they're at the synagogue or at the banquets. And I'm imagining they're thinking, yeah, I, I kind of deserve that, right? Then he says that they devour widows' homes. And that's when I think their face falls. And they're kind of frustrated. And they're like, wait a second. Because here's the thing. The Jewish law, or our Old Testament, again and again and again talks about taking care of the widows, the orphans, and the aliens or the foreigners among them. And I think that that's when they knew they knew these commands, and they knew that Jesus was saying, you're not following the Torah. You're not following the Jewish laws. And that would have offended them, because they were the teachers of the law. They knew the law. And I'm sure that they knew the commands about helping 
the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. And they would not be happy at this point in time. In fact, I think they would have been furious. But I think Jesus is also furious. Because Jesus is pointing out how the things that they were doing, and we don't know exactly what, there's no indication of that, other than that Jesus says whatever they were doing was devouring the property of widows, somebody that they were supposed to be taking care of. And while, while I think that they would do well to acknowledge that reality and we would do well to acknowledge that reality, some scholars would say that Jesus was going so far as to say that the women in verse the things that he said about them in verse 43 and 44 are actually a lament of the tragic and painful example of an exploited woman. So we should acknowledge this reality and we should acknowledge it, but I think we also should acknowledge that Jesus is also praising or commending this woman's actions. So scholars agree that Jesus is setting up a huge contrast here between these scribes, these teachers of the law who were taking houses and the widow who was giving all that she had. The scribes who were calling attention to themselves like, look at me, look at how awesome I am. And the widow who largely goes unnoticed by everyone except Jesus. Jesus had to call his disciples over to say, look at the woman. And then the scribes who use God for their own benefit versus the widow who gives up what she has for God's glory. I think the truth of the matter today in this passage is that the opposite of sacrificial giving is selfishness. See the contrast there between those two? The scribes and the teachers of the law were selfish. The widow was giving everything that she had. And when I think about that, I don't know about you, but I start to feel a little Because I know how selfish I can be. I know I like to have attention. I know that I like people to notice me. I like to have power and status. And I want God to bless me and my family and my church. And so I can, I can feel that sense of like, yes, I am a selfish person. Is that really why I have a hard time giving? Now, to be clear, I don't think it's wrong necessarily to have some of these things or even to pursue them. But I wonder what happens when we have those things. What happens when we have status or power or money? What do we do with that? Well, you see, these two stories that we've already looked at actually follow on the heels of Jesus teaching about the greatest commandment ever. And when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he said, well, A, it's that the Lord our God is one. But B, it's that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
these two things together, loving the Lord your God and loving people, loving your neighbor, constitute the greatest commands. And so that leaves us with this question. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? And what does it mean to love our neighbor? Well, lucky for us, Jesus tells us these two stories to help us to understand that. One of these stories exemplifies the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. The other is the opposite. And I think all of us know which one exemplifies the love that God is talking about. It's the widow. The widow exemplifies the kind of love that God wants us to have for him and for one another. She sacrificed her own living, all that she had to live on. She gave it up for God's glory and for the sake of others. And that is what love is. Sometimes in our culture, we like to think love is this nice feeling that I get when somebody compliments me or when somebody likes me or when I have that romantic feeling inside. And that is love. And sometimes I think we think love is this accepting others for who they are, like just, you know, tolerating everybody. Like, yep, it doesn't matter what you, you do. Like, I'm going to love you. I'm like, you can be whoever you are. But I think love, biblical love, is sacrificial love. Willing to give up ourselves for others. That's love. That's what love looks like. And I don't know about you, but I find that inspiring. When somebody else is willing to give up their life, give up their comfort, give up their kind of things that they love for me or for somebody else, I'm inspired by that. And I think we all are because when we think about the stories that are in our movies, in our books, in our songs that we listen to, oftentimes it's a story of somebody who is willing to give up something of their life for somebody else. And we're all like, yes, that. I want that. We love that. And I think it's why sacrifice is actually a big part of the gospel of Mark. We look back in the gospel of Mark, back in chapter 10, and Jesus encounters this rich young ruler who asks him, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And by the way, if you didn't know, I've kept all the commands since I was a boy. To which Jesus says, okay, one thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Well, the text says that the man went away sad because he was wealthy. He had a lot. I think the rich young ruler demonstrated a sobering truth that the more you have, the harder it is to give it away. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he isn't willing to do himself. And after this passage, Jesus begins his journey 
to the cross, where he is going to give up his life to save our life. And again, that's what love looks like. Giving up oneself for another. Total sacrifice. And it's exactly what Jesus invites all of us to do as well. Back in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now the cool thing is, there's a promise embedded in that. Did you notice it? If you give up your life, you'll save your life. And I think the same thing is true in our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So I think the invitation that God is making for all of us is to give like God or Jesus has given. To love like Jesus has loved. And what does that look like? God has given up his life. God has sacrificed himself for others. And that's the invitation for all of us. To give up what we have for God's sake and for others. That's sacrificial giving. But maybe you're not convinced yet. Well, let me give you one more appeal. Dr. Christian Smith, a professor at the University of Notre Dame, also the co-author of a book, The Paradox of Generosity, says his scientific study and all of that he's doing, and if you include all of his co-workers and colleagues that are doing this as well, says what has been proven again and again and again is that people who are generous are happier and healthier. You don't even have to believe the Bible. And the, the truth of what Jesus is teaching in this passage is true. When we give of ourselves, we get so much more back than we could imagine. So I want to invite you to go home this week and to think about your own financial world. And to think about what you are sacrificing. Is there one thing as you look through your finances that you could give up so that you could give more to God and to others? That's what it looks like for us to continually sacrifice is to give up one more thing for God. On a practical level, uh, I would ask you to think about what does that mean for your giving at church? Uh, are you in a place where you can start giving? You haven't done that? Or are you in a place where you can increase your giving? I want to be careful because it, this might sound self-serving. Uh, and I don't want it to be that. And if you're one of those people that's like, I'm super skeptical, the church just wants my money. Uh, we don't want your money. Uh, God has all the money in the world. Uh, so don't worry about that. Give it to some other charity. Uh, because I believe God's going to and has already shown that he's going to provide for his church. So if you're thinking that we just want your money, don't give to the church. But if you're not one of those people and you're like, hey, 
I think God is inviting me to give sacrificially and increase my giving or to start giving to the church, then would you make that move? Take a step, figure out what are the things that I can give up? What can I give to? How can I increase my sacrificial giving? And I think there's some level where we can ask ourselves some questions about, am I comfortable or does my giving, whether it's to the church or to other organizations, does it hurt in some way, shape, or form? Does it make me change my spending in some way, shape, or form? So that I'm spending less because I want to give more to God's work here or there, or God's uh, work in terms of kingdom work, even in terms of helping out some of our local nonprofits in town. We can ask ourselves those questions. In his book, The Paradox of Generosity, Dr. Smith uh, says, I wasn't always a cheerful giver. He said, uh, about 10 years ago, I started to change my habits with the hope of eventually getting to the point where I was going to give 10% or more of my income away. And what he discovered over time is that his mood began to change. The more he gave, the more he got back. And I imagine if more and more of us were doing that, where we were going through our finances and considering, ah, I don't really need that, I could give that up. I should say this, I don't, like, it's okay to have things in this world. Like, we don't need to be complete ascetics either. Um, It's okay to have things, but then if we have those things, I think it's worth us asking, how is God inviting me to have that thing and to use it for God's glory? So it's not that we're not spending money and the right thing is to not ever uh, spend money on yourself or on things, but I do think that there's an element to say, hey, If I'm spending this money, how is this bringing God's glory? Um, So, I was thinking about then imagining if more and more of us were thinking about what are some things that I could give up, that I could give to other people, or what are some of the things that I have in my possession that I could use for God's glory in some way, shape, or form? And I think about how we could have more joy in our church, more joy in our community, And I wonder if more and more of us were doing, what are some of the things and the problems in our world that we could solve? Could we solve global poverty? Or at least, could we solve poverty here in Mankato? I don't know. But could I sacrifice some of the comforts that I have for others? I hope so. And so as you go home this week, I pray that you will get uncomfortable in some way, shape, or form about your spending and to think about what is it that God's calling me to give up sacrificially because Jesus has already given for us. Jesus has already given up his life for us. So Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already asked us or that he hasn't already done himself. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for the reminder that you call us to give sacrificially and just how much benefit that brings us, that we can have joy. We get so much more back when we give sacrificially. And thank you for the reminder that you aren't asking us to do anything that you aren't already doing or that you haven't already done. And so, Lord, 
we ask that you would help us to be uncomfortable this week. Help us to really wrestle with our own finances and to think about what are the things that we can give up for others? What are the things that we own that we can give you for your glory? We pray these things in your name. Amen.